I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Thank you for stopping by. And if you love songwriting podcasts, um, we're proud to be a part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network. And there's some other great podcasts on there that we've been collaborating with. We would uh, encourage you to check out the Zach Kuhn Show, um, Stories and Answer Songs, The Pitch List, Surviving the Music Industry. Um, all those are great podcasts for songwriters, so we'd encourage you to check those out. We've got a special treat for you today. We've got Scott Bomar and Paul Duncan from the Songcraft Podcast. They've interviewed so many amazing artists and songwriters. I know you're going to enjoy it, so here's our interview, and then we'll talk later. All right, everybody, welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. We have some special guests today. Uh, we have Scott Bomar and Paul Duncan from the Songcraft Podcast, which is the, in my mind, the premier podcast for songwriters. So I'm excited to have you guys on. Oh, thanks, man. Well, it, since you just said that about us, I mean, I'm excited now, too. <laughs> well, you should <laughs> be. Kidding. You should be. I mean, I was looking today through your list of like your top 25 episodes, and, and so that which prompted my first question for you, and that is, who have you not talked to yet that you're wanting to talk to? Because you guys have talked to some amazing <laughs> guests. So uh, what's Bruce Springsteen and Paul McCartney yeah. who we haven't <laughs> talked to yet that we want to talk to. <laughs> well, I would imagine they're they're on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, they're, that's great. Busy guys, I hear. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's true. We have um, had the opportunity to talk to a lot of. Um, amazing songwriters and i think that what's really crazy about this is paul and i uh we're based in los angeles but we both grew up in nashville and um we became friends in high school we were in our first band together and we were always just like the guys who just were talking about music and um that never changed and paul moved out here to the west coast uh, a few years before i did but we've both been out here now for over 20 years and whenever we'd get together it wasn't any different than like the two guys from high school you know just talking about music and we were out having lunch one day and um and paul goes hey you know we talk about music so much we should just record this and turn it into a podcast and uh i said i don't think i've ever heard a podcast and he's like yeah i don't think i have either <laughs> um <laughs> so it literally started as us just like hey we talk about music anyway let's record it and uh we never would have imagined you know whatever it's been five six years now that we would have interviewed loretta lynn and Smokey robinson and lucinda williams and elvis costello i mean it's it's just you know it, it's blown our minds too <laughs> so talk to me about the beginning you know obviously in the beginning you're not interviewing the you know these legendary people but kind of where did it start and and you know tell me talk about some of your early episodes yeah, well, I think, you know, well, the first interview we ever actually recorded was Al Kasha, yeah. and I'll let Paul talk about that because that was really, that, that kind of came from a personal connection for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it was helpful for us to, you know, to have some friends, relationships that we'd both built over the years um, who were already kind of ready to support this new endeavor. So this um, writer named Al Kasha, um, who had just been a mentor of mine, um, Al had had a whole lot of success in the 60s and 70s, had a couple of Oscars, um, and and really sort of helped me grow as a songwriter. So when I told him that we were planning to do this, and, and Al had told me so many stories about his career, I knew it was going to be great. Um, and he said, oh, sure, come on over. And, and so we, 
brought her laptop and a couple mics and had no idea, you know, how to do it or how to just kind of, you know, go through a, an hour long conversation with somebody. And so he was really gracious to kind of let us learn on him. <laughs> and, um, but it was great because we were able to talk about hit records and we were able to talk about, he wrote for Aretha Franklin and Jackie Wilson. And so it was immediately, it, it felt like an interview with some, with some weight. Um, and yet he kind of let us fumble around. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, Scott, I would say that's kind of how Dallas Frazier was too, right? He was a friend of yours. Yeah. I, I had known Dallas Frazier and of course he's a legendary Nashville writer. And, you know, I asked him if we could do it and, and he said, yeah. Um, and I think uh, Brandy Clark was an early one as well. And her career was just kind of taking off. But Brandy had spent years writing in Nashville uh, before she really got hot as a writer. And I had been writing in Nashville. And she and I used to write together when we were both, you know, trying to get something off the ground. Um, and so I had known her, you know, previously. So it just kind of started with like, well, who do we know? you know, that could be on this thing. And, and we probably thought, well, maybe put together, we know about 10 or 12 people. Um, and, but then the more interviews you get, then the more people are kind of willing to do the show. And it, it's kind of become like a numbers game. If you ask 20 people, one of them is probably going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you, have you asked Paul and Bruce yet? Yes, <laughs> we have. <laughs> We have asked Paul and Bruce on multiple occasions, as a matter of fact. But now we think if we ask them 20 times, one time they'll say yes. I think the formula will work. Yeah, we, 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 are, we are shameless. We will ask anybody to be on our podcast. I mean, we, we uh, you know, figure the worst they can tell us is no, right? Right. Exactly. Well, when you do your interviews, what's your goal? I mean, what, what are you trying to find out? And what do you what do you feel like you want to draw out of the writer or the artist for your listeners? You know, Paul and I come from different uh, disciplines in a way, so I'll sort of speak to what where I um, what I enjoy about it and what I draw from it. And I think it's probably different for Paul because Paul is a professional songwriter. Um, at the moment, as we're recording this, as a matter of fact, he has a number one song on iTunes with uh, Lauren Daigle's "Hold On to Me." So uh, proud of my co-host well, for, you. Uh, for you know for killing thank it you. right now. Um, but uh, I come to it. I'm really an author and a researcher and more of a historian. So for me, it's really about kind of preserving these stories and people understanding that the songs that they love were written by an actual person and that there's stories behind them and that songwriting is a profession and that there are people who dedicate their lives to that. And, um, you know, I've got a real like preservationist kind of bent, um, because of what I do, uh, for a living. And I think that, you know, Paul kind of comes to it from a different angle. So I'll kind of let him speak to, you know, what, what he draws from it. I mean, yeah. And, and part of that is, is definitely in my mind as well. I think both, both of us are kind of historically minded. I, I tend to love music from you know, bygone eras. Um, but at the same time, I, I really loved kind of the human aspect of it. Um, I like asking kind of off the wall questions from time to time about, you know, how did it feel to do this or, or to, to meet this person where, you know, were you blown away, you know? Um, and, and I kind of like to, to just get inside their heads um, a bit because I, I, I think at, and for both of us, we're just such fans, um, you know, it's routinely now Scott will tell me, Hey, we just booked so-and-so and I'll just reply with what? 
you know, it's like it, <laughs> it's always just still so exciting. Uh, and sometimes we still get, you know, kind of nervous. I mean, I was, I think we were both pretty nervous talking to Elvis Costello. Yeah. Um, that felt like a real fan experience. Right. Um, and so I, I still come at it from that point of view and I'll, I'll text my sister on the way over and be like, guess what we're talking to today? Um, <laughs> and, and just try not to, you know, make anybody mad or ask anything too stupid, but, but I'll, I'll go off the wall a little bit. You know? Yeah. We're, we're glad that, that our show's not live. Otherwise we would have embarrassed ourselves, uh, on more than one occasions being, being complete, uh, dorks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Editing is our friend. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What are some, what are some highlights as far as just things um, that have come out of the interviews that you go wow that I mean that just blew me away. Uh, you know, uh, I, the first thing that comes to my mind because we were just mentioning Elvis Costello, he talked about writing with Paul McCartney, um, and since we haven't been able to interview Paul yet, then I'm desperate for any info about him from other writers. And they were talking about writing the Flowers in the Dirt record together, and Elvis Costello just telling us that that McCartney is very very strict about melody and you cannot change a word um and you you can't add a syllable you you can't do anything to kind of mess with his sacred melody uh and it actually sent me back to the beatles records and listening to how strict his melodies are um and so i thought it was i love what it does the way it sends me back to music and listening to things in a different perspective uh lamont dozier his story about stop in the name of love which I won't tell the whole story. I'll just tell everybody, go listen to our Lamont Dozier episode. Um, <laughs> that story, I, I, I'll never listen to that song the same way again. So I, I love hearing the stories that send me back to the music with, with a fresh pair of ears. Yeah, uh, I think as much as, as we um, pinch ourselves that we get to talk to some of these people, you know, I mean, I think the, the day that we went and met with Smokey Robinson, um, you know, was like, we couldn't believe it. And we didn't even know if it was actually going to happen or not till about probably one second before it happened. It was, everything was like, the communication was like, what's going on? Is this actually going to happen? We're set up in this random ballroom the couple days before the Grammy awards in downtown LA. And we, he's supposed to come, but is he going to come? You know, we, we sort of have all these crazy things where it's like, Oh, we're pinching ourselves that we get to talk to these people. But some of my favorite interviews um, are ones with people like Ray Wiley Hubbard, um, which was one we did not too long ago. Um, Ani DeFranco was one that we did not too long ago, where they really get into the nuts and bolts of what it means to be a songwriter. Um, so as much as I love kind of the, the, you know, wow, I can't believe we got to talk to that person. Sometimes it's the ones who, you know, are well known, but are not as well known. They're not necessarily household names. Sometimes those folks will really get into kind of the, the nuts and bolts of, um, you know, how they put a song together. I remember Dan Wilson recently, we had him on and he was talking about writing with Adele and how kind of the piano tag at the end of the song was just a little like kind of unfinished thing that they were going to come back to. And then they didn't have enough time. So it wound up just becoming the end of the record and like Adele's piano player had to learn to play the trailing off kind of mistake. And, you know, when, when people get into sort of those insights um, Mm -hmm. of of how the songs are really put together to me, that stuff's pretty fascinating. That's awesome. But I think, I think Paul and I would both say that the time that uh, Bill Withers made catnip out of both of us, he had (laughs) no interest in being interviewed and he absolutely just toyed with us. And uh, that was a highlight. It was fun. (laughs) I'll have to check that one out. You've you've given me a good list of, of, episodes to go make sure I've catch up on. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about, um, 
you know, our audience with with Songtown is um, primarily aspiring songwriters that are you know working their way up, and they're they're trying to get that first opportunity. What kinds of things do you think they can learn from and be inspired by in the interviews you do? Uh, you know, one of the things I think aspiring songwriters or, or young songwriters or new songwriters uh, of any age can be inspired by is listening to the trajectory of a career. Um, you know, you find someone like Tom Douglas, whose success came you know later in his life than you know some of the artists and writers that we talk to. Um, you talk about people that had um, you know long periods of waiting between deals or, or times when they thought everything was over and then they got a hit you know five years later hearing those that you pull the camera back and look at someone's life and career not just as a highlight reel but as an actual biography you realize that we're, we're all kind of dealing with the same things with uncertainty and with you know moments that we need growth um, and hearing that from the legends um, in hearing the moments when they're unsure and when they didn't realize they had a great idea or, you know, um, that's a really humanizing aspect. And, and it's it's encouraging, you know, for me as a writer to hear it and think, oh, you know, th- there's there's still a lot of light out there to be grasped. You know, there's there's time. And, and um, I think that's one thing they can draw from it. Yeah. And it's it's you know, I think one thing that we've noted is um, the the way that people describe their process varies so much you know like we'll have writers say you know it's like capturing lightning in a bottle it just falls out of the sky you know whereas we had diane warren on recently who basically said that she never writes a song quickly that everyone is like you know a sculpting process and and it never just kind of falls in her lap so the way that people write is different and and it's interesting to me as somebody who was a professional songwriter at one time and am not and haven't been for years um, because I have sort of this objectivity about it. And what I see is that there's no kind of one size fits all approach. There's no way to learn, you know, okay, if I can memorize these five secrets to songwriting success, then it's a sure bet. You know, everybody's wired a little differently. Their process is, is different. But if there's anything I've seen that is common amongst the successful songwriters on our show, it is that they couldn't not write songs. They were going to do it even if they never made a dime at it. Like they had to do it. And I think if somebody's thinking, man, should I really go for it and try to be a professional songwriter? Then you got to ask yourself, can you live with another option? Like if, if there's another career option that interests you or excites you and you can see yourself doing that, then you probably ought to do that. If you look and you go, man, I can't do anything but write songs. And even if I never make it and I'm just going to wait tables for the entire rest of my life in order to pay the bills so that I can write songs and I'm going to write those songs, even if none of them ever gets cut because I have to do it, then that's kind of the stuff that, that will help you make it uh, as a songwriter. And I say that as somebody who, um, never fully had that sort of singular focus and passion, um, even though I loved songwriting. And, and honestly, I think that probably has a good bit to do with why I never, you know, quote unquote, made it. Um, and I do see that as the, the, the through line in all these conversations. It's like it's so hardwired in these people that even if they never made a dollar, they'd be writing songs because they, they just have to. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think too, 
the anytime I've, I have interviewed somebody that's very successful or when I've, I've listened to a number of, of your episodes as well, the thing that always strikes me is that you just rarely run into a successful person who got there easily. You know, I mean, right. it's, it's right. just there's struggle that you don't know about. There's, you know, the, the 10 years that are, you know, missing in the biography, you know, that, that you don't know yep. that they were waiting tables and mowing grass or whatever they were doing to to make that work. And that's yeah. encouraging to me. Right. Yeah. Well, can you guys tell us, uh, you told us a little bit about each of you individually, but I'd love to hear just a little bit more about um, your other things beside the podcast. Yeah, well, as, as Scott mentioned, I'm I'm writing, you know, all the time, and uh, you know, as as you know, you write a lot of songs, and then hope a few of them <laughs> work out. So it's um, I feel like I'm writing, 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 writing. Um, at the same time, uh, I play music at at a couple churches out here, which is a, a big part of my life and um, my sort of weekly, you know, responsibilities. And um, two little kids, two daughters that I love dearly and um so it's uh, both of us grew up in nashville so I, I go back and forth from time to time to nashville not not so much recently because nobody's traveling a whole lot right um but you know it's just found kind of a little little spot here in in uh, la county that that feels kind of slow kind of near the beach it's not not too rat racy uh and uh kind of r- reminds me of a, a beach version of the south every now and then um and yeah, I love it out here. That's awesome. I was born in California, but moved from there when I was five months old and have only been back for, for very short little visits. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice but, but you probably you, you probably just like fit right back in with your, your five-month-old self when, <laughs> when you came probably. back. Probably. I'd probably pick right where I left <laughs> off, you know, pick up right where I there left off. <laughs> Start pooping my pants and crying or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, tell us more about your other adventures. Well, let's see. I grew up uh, also in Nashville, obviously, as Paul just said. And my dad, uh, Woody Bomar, um, was in the music industry uh, from the time I was pretty young. And so I kind of grew up around the Nashville songwriting world, the Nashville music industry world. Um, so that was kind of always in the backdrop of my life. Um, I went to school at Belmont there in Nashville and then went to graduate school at Vanderbilt um, in Nashville and then moved to uh, Los Angeles in 2000 because my wife um, was getting into a career in uh, TV and and, uh, film production. So uh, that brought us out here. And oddly enough, I really got passionate about songwriting after moving out here, um, wound up getting a, a music publishing deal in Nashville and flying back and forth all the time for about five years, um, splitting my time between Nashville and LA in the early two thousands. And, um, you know, got a couple cuts, uh, but nothing really ever got going. And it really came to a point where I went, okay, um, and I got to figure out what I'm, what I'm really doing here. Like, am I going to move back to Nashville and double down on this? Or am I going to stay in LA and keep trying to go back and forth or, you know, what, what, what's next, you know, cause it's not working the way I'm doing it. Um, and I really realized, you know, I think I want to be more on the business side of, of music. So I wound up getting a job at universal music, um, as a licensing guy out here in LA. 
Um, and the same time, I always had this kind of historical sort of bent and I got into writing, you know, uh, liner notes for reissue albums and I wound up writing uh, a book and somewhere in there, I moved from Universal to BMG where I was still doing licensing work, but also, you know, publishing some things as a, as an author and historian on the side. Um, and then a few years back, BMG decided they wanted to start a book division about music related books, which is kind of like the, my dream job. Um, and so we did. And so now I'm working for BMG, which is a music company, but I'm a book publisher of music related books. So I get to edit, I get to write, I get to be involved in, every aspect of the book uh, production process. Um, so that's what I do in my my normal uh, life. And it's been really cool to have Songcraft as this kind of creative outlet, but it's also benefited uh, my book publishing efforts. We've actually wound up doing books with a couple of folks who were guests on our show. Um, so it's cool how that's all worked together. And I've been able to bring that kind of love for songwriters but no longer being a songwriter uh in, into kind of my love for history and and uh, preservation so it's uh man i can't complain i kind of get to do exactly <laughs> what i'd be doing if nobody paid me to do it that's awesome i hope they don't find out that you would do it for free i know <laughs> yeah they'll be like you said you said you didn't need to be paid right so. exactly <laughs> liar <laughs> right. no, that's great I, I share your appreciation for um history especially um you know i was writing with a young artist i mean a young track guy one day early 20s and um he said well what if you know tell me some things you've written so i can you know listen to them and i told him one of my billy currington songs and and he said i'm not really familiar with the older artists and, <laughs> wow. and i'm like oh wow you know and it's like i, I gave him a list of uh like some real older artists to listen to, you know, but I'm a huge believer that, you know, it's like a torch that we're carrying. Uh, as we write new music, we're also building on, and it's important to know what came before us, you know, and, and how yeah. that shapes everything. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of that aspect as well. And, and of yeah preserving those things, you know, in some of the podcasts we do as well. Well, even, you know, no matter what your profession is, I mean, if you're an economist, you know, then when you go to school, you're going to read Adam Smith and you're going to learn economic theory that's, you know, super old because it's the foundation for what came after. And although you might latch on to a different theory or, or think of things in a different way, you kind of need to know where your profession has come from. And I would say the same thing about if you're a, a mechanic, you know, maybe you understand how to work on a Tesla, but you also are going to need to figure out how to work on like, you know, a 68 Ford, you know, it's a very different type of car. Um, and maybe you're even going to specialize in working on Teslas, but you still got to understand basic mechanics. And I think that that's often neglected in the songwriting world that people, you know, don't necessarily feel like they need to know the history or where things have been, or even understand other genres that might not be their first you know, choice in terms of what is their favorite, but it's so valuable to have that education so that you are at least, you know, conversant in various styles of music and, and music's past, um, because it can open up your mind to new ideas, uh, in the present. So, you know, even for those who are actively writing songs now, it's not just about trying to imitate, 
you know, what Merle Haggard did, although you do well to attempt, <laughs> but, exactly. um, but to bring those sensibilities and some of those lessons into what you're doing now. So even if you're working with, you know, samples, uh, in, you know, 2021, you could still potentially learn something from Conway Twitty that he did in, you know, 1968. So I think there's value in, in just understanding, you know, where your profession has been. Um, and, and I think that's a big part of what we try to champion on the show. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think the older I get, I'm 56 and the older I get, the, the more important that is to me just to, um, appreciate and kind of immerse myself in some of that stuff that came before. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us. I know our audience is going to love the show if they um, have not heard it already. I know they can go to songcraftshow.com. We'll publish any links that you guys have in our show notes as well, so you can let me know what you want us to publish there. But thank you so much for being with us. Our pleasure. Great, thanks, man. All right, we've got a song for you. This was written by two Songtown members, Brad Dawson and Karen Fraden. It's called You Get Me, and I love this song. I let my dog sleep in the bed. Don't click with all your friends. I'm shouting at the screen when my team drops the ball. Never quite on time I drink too much some nights Then I blame you for the things That aren't your fault If I'm saying it all wrong I know you know just what I mean You don't try to call me out And cause a great big scene Yeah, I want to mess up I know you want to stop and leave What I love about you most is how You get What I love about you most is how 
great song. So Clay Mills does a lot of lessons on melody on Songtown website, and uh, he's got one that I think you're really going to enjoy called Inspired Versus Reactive Listening. So he talks about listening like a pro writer listens to music, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So here's Clay. Thanks, Marty. You know, I believe the most important decision you can make on your journey to being the best songwriter you can be is how you choose to listen to music. Do you choose to listen with inspired ears or do you choose to listen with reactive ears? Now, we've all heard people who are ranting about today's music is not real music or that's not real rock music or R&B. You know, they have a lot of opinions about what is real. And we've all seen these, you know, top 10 charts from the last decade, okay? The top rock bands of the last decade. And there'll always be someone on social media typing in comments going, you know, that band's not even rock. What are they doing on the chart? All opinion-based. Reactive listening is all about judgment and opinions. It only serves to reinforce what we think we already know. There's no room for growth or progress in any of that. But reactive listening is not just negative opinions. It can be positive opinions. If you're listening to something and you're like, oh, I just love that, but you're not really digging in, going deeper, and trying to figure out why you love it or what inspires you about it, then you're practicing reactive listening there also. I'd really like to invite you into the mindset that I call inspired listening. When we practice inspired listening, we are suspending our judgments and opinions, and we're looking and listening for elements in the music that inspire us, things that we would like to incorporate into our own writing. When you practice inspired listening, all of a sudden music is fun again. I've seen this over and over in my master classes for the last five years. When people start practicing inspired listening, they're not only enjoying it, but the battle is over. It's not about, oh, you're not closing yourself off. You're open. And when you're open, you cultivate growth and progress. Now, John Mayer had a great little talk one time that I heard where he described his process for doing just this. And John thinks of himself as a corporation. He says, as a songwriter, think of you as John Incorporated or Clay Incorporated or you incorporated. And when you listen to something and something inspires you and you hear a technique, maybe it's, um, oh, I like the way they modulate halfway through that chorus. Well, you reach out and you acquire that for your company, your corporation. Hear another technique on another song. Okay, I'll acquire that. Boom, you put it into your file, your mental file. And as John put it, when he sits down to create music, he can easily flip through that mental file like it's a record collection and pull out a record here or pull out a record there and use different techniques that he remembers and he stored away. So I'm going to teach you how to grow your songwriting through inspired listening. And inspired listening is basically whenever we sit down to listen to music or we're driving in our car and we hear music, we are going to look solely for things that we get inspired by and that we think we can incorporate into our own writing. So it could be 
anything that your mind hears that turns you on. It could be, I love the way the vocal plays off that snare drum and they kind of do this question and answer. But the point is that each time you sit down to listen, you're going to be searching for things you can use, things that can grow your own ability. I'd like to encourage you this week to sit down and listen to five to 10 songs. And pick things that are out of your wheelhouse. If you're into country, pick a hip hop song. If you're into rock, pick an R&B song. Whatever it is that you feel like maybe intrigues you a little bit, or it could be something you never thought you might like, but it has to be out of your comfort zone. We're gonna look for things out of your comfort zone, listen to five or 10 songs, and literally write down Every time you hear something that you think you can use and you can incorporate into your own style. And like I said, it can be anything. There's no rules here. It's whatever inspires you. And remember, inspired listening is not just a one-time exercise. I want you to make this a practice. I do this and I've done it for years. It's helped to keep my writing current. It's helped me stay viable. Um, it's helped me get cuts for many, many years. And if you practice this, I promise you'll grow as a writer. If you just pick up one technique per week, at the end of the year, you're going to have 52 new techniques that you can use. Okay, y'all, let's kick it back to Marty. All right, I hope you learned something today. And uh, if you want to learn more about Songtown, check out songtown.com. You can give us your email and get 10 free videos. Uh, if you want to check out our books, Song Building, Mastering Lyric Writing, or um, the Songwriter's Guide to Mastering Co-Writing. The links to those are in the show notes. Um, we hope you'll review us, follow us, and subscribe um, wherever you listen to podcasts and that you'll share us with your friends. And we will see you next week with some more talk about songwriting.